you guys doing? Good. How, I mean, okay. How many of you are done with finals? Anybody done with finals yet? Hey, a couple. All right. How many, how many of you still have a lot more finals to go? Nobody. So only two people have finals this week in this room? That's amazing. Well, I'm glad you guys are here, regardless. Let me ask you another question. How many of you guys have watched WandaVision? Yeah. yeah. Crazy that she's dead at the end, right? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Don't get, don't get too... I know Riley's probably upset because she hasn't seen it yet. Uh, but it's a good story, right? It's a really good story. Deals with grief, deals with heartache, deals with all these like crazy Marvel superhero stories. How many of you guys have seen The Mandalorian? Yeah. yeah. Come on. Grogu? Who doesn't know Grogu? AKA, AKA Baby Yoda? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who doesn't love Baby Yoda? Everybody loves Baby Yoda. Another great story. Give me, I want a little bit of interaction here. Give me another great story. And if anybody says Twilight, I'm done. Which one? Titanic. Titanic. It's real life, but still a great movie. Yes. Yes, that is good. Jack. Jack and Rose. What else? Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre. I only believe in science. Yeah, that's a good one. What else? Give me one more. What? 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 Say it again. Greatest Showman. That one's good. That one's good. What did you say? Prince of Egypt. Yes, good biblical story right there. So we have all these really amazing stories in our life, right? We've got what I just said, WandaVision, Mandalorian. Those ones are great. Uh, Titanic, True Life, but it's still a good movie story. Uh, Prince of Egypt, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, mm, right? Uh, so we have all these amazing stories, uh, and these are some cool fantasy. Man, I've never taught with the mask. This is crazy. I don't know how you do it, man. Props. Uh, we have all these cool fantasy uh, stories that we get to be enthralled by, that we get to hear and be entertained and be captivated. Um, and all of these stories have incredible fairy tale-like qualities that draw us in. And I believe that we crave these stories because this is the way that the world was originally created. Every fairy tale starts with everything being perfect at the beginning, right? When I wrote that sentence, the, the first one that came to my head, I don't know why, but the first one that came to my head was Cinderella. In Cinderella, I can only imagine really the Disney version because I'm a Disney fiend, that she's sitting by the fountain with her dad and she is, it's a serene picture. She is there. Oh, I didn't start my timer because last you know, a couple times ago I went 57 minutes and I don't want to do that again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. I hold the record. Uh, she's sitting by the fountain with her father and everything's great. But then enters her stepmother, right? And her stepsisters. And everything goes to heck. And it's this story uh, where everything is great at the beginning but then enters the peril, the darkness, the trouble. And the whole point of that story is then to get to that happy ending, to that place where the light returns and everything is perfect again. So yeah, we love to be entertained, but I believe that it's a reflection of the world God has originally made. Within this big story, 
that, by the way, you and I are a part of. There are amazing smaller stories in Scripture. If you read the Bible, there are some crazy stories in there. So tonight, I want to give you some of those examples of these stories and ask, how do we reconcile these crazy stories in Scripture, these amazing accounts of fantastical stories, and uh, reconcile how they apply to us today? Or how do we believe that they're real or that they're true today and that they're not some just fairy tale or allegory of, uh, you know, what we believe Christianity says? So if, well, to start off, if you want some amazing stories, we're going to start in Genesis. Genesis is crazy. I love Genesis, and it's full of nutty stories. So first of all, we get creation. The world being formed literally from nothing. The galaxy comes first into existence, and the sun, the moon, the stars, life forms, plants, insects, animals, man, and woman. Now you'd be like, maybe like Seth, that's not fantasy. We learn about that in science class because everyone knows theories how the earth was formed and evolution, how life came into existence. I say that's fine that you learn that, but it's still extremely incredible. So I'll give you some even crazier ones. Animals talking. There are accounts in the Bible of animals literally talking. In Genesis, we see a snake talk to a woman, and she's not even surprised. In the book of Numbers, we see a man named Balaam have an argument with his own donkey. They're having a conversation, and he too is also not surprised. We get an account of a giant worldwide flood. You guys know the story of Noah? Noah's on an ark, and he's got all the animals inside the ark on this global flood. Moses, in the book of Exodus, has some crazy experiences. One is, I mean, there's like a lot. I'm only going to give you a few. His staff, his rod, turns into a snake. And then some sorcerers try to do the same thing. They're like, oh, yeah, we could do that too. And then he's like, oh, yeah, my snake's better. And his snake eats their snakes. He parts the sea, the Red Sea, with a wave of his hands. He strikes a rock with his staff, and water comes out of it so that way they can drink and not be thirsty in the desert. In the Bible, there's giants. You guys know the story of David and Goliath? Giants literally have a place in the Bible. People are raised from the dead in the Bible. And the most famous resurrection of all is Jesus. He walks around after he's resurrected for days. He has over 500 witnesses that see him alive. And then he ascends to heaven. He's gone in the flash of a light. And an angel is standing there and telling them, what are you looking for? He's already in heaven. These are just a few. Their Bible, if you guys haven't read your Bible, or you know, want to start reading your Bible, that is full of crazy stories. And I mean, like, full. So how do we look at these crazy stories, these fairy tale-like tales, and say that they're true? Let's throw some arguments at them. First, we'll talk about science. Now, there are a ton of scientific arguments against some of these stories. Uh, and there are a ton of counter-arguments against them. But I'm just going to go over just, just a few with you, just so you have kind of a taste, a teaser. With creation, you could say, well, Seth, science doesn't match up with these and seems to disprove these fantasies. 
And I would say to you, let me tell you a little bit what science actually has to say, because science and scripture are not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. Scientists still don't fully agree, all the scientists in the world, they still don't fully agree on how the earth was created. They have some theories, but some of those theories even match up with scripture, what scripture has to say. They just don't want to use the word God did it. The biggest one, the closest one, is the Big Bang. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on the same page. God said, let there be a planet. Boom, there's a planet. I'm like, yep, scientist, you and me, same page. And they're like, no. I'm like, yeah. God spoke, boom, there it was. If there is a creation, then there must be a creator. Something cannot come from nothing. That is a scientific fact. This is Newton's third law. It's just in reverse order. Do you got anybody know Newton's third law by heart? It's science questions. Really nerdy. The world existing is a reaction to God's action of speaking it into existence. For every action, there must be a reaction. Never in all of our scientific history have we ever witnessed something just appearing out of nothing. Therefore, God is the only one who could have accomplished this action. And you're like, Seth, we already know about the world and life coming, so let's move on to the even crazier stuff, right? Animals talking. It's already known that there are many, many smart animals out there, and they have various forms of communication. They can complete tasks. They can uh, use these tasks, even build tools to survive. And they even display affections and attitudes. One of my favorite videos is this video, and you guys may have seen it, but it's this video of a guy uh, doing a magic card trick up against the glass, and there's a baboon behind it. Have you guys seen that one? He's doing a magic card trick, and he makes the card disappear, and the baboon like freaks out, and his mouth is wide open. And then there's another one where the guy is doing the same kind of magic trick for an orangutan. It's kind of funny, because I think it shows the personality between like, a baboon and an orangutan. So the baboon's like, really like fierce reaction. And the orangutan sees that it disappears. It takes him a second, and he goes, and just falls back laughing. He's laughing. So they have these emotions, these reactions. And then, then to give you kind of a sad one, do you guys know that elephants cry? Has anybody ever seen that? Everybody ever heard that? Yeah? I saw a video. This will break your heart. I saw a video of a baby elephant crying because it's birth mother rejected it. This mother elephant would not feed her baby, didn't want to give it any interaction or anything. And so the baby elephant is just laying there with tears running down his cheek and it's crying. Animals have, having the physical ability to talk is not that far off. It's not actually that crazy. In fact, Henry M. Morris writes that in the book of Numbers, when the donkey spoke, it says God opened the vocal cords of the donkey, implying that at some point the vocal cords may have been closed. It seems to be, biblically, a result of sin entering the world when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, that we no longer see this take place, and why God had to reopen the donkey's vocal cords. Noah and the ark and the global flood. Surely Noah and the ark and the flood 
that covered the earth is nothing but a fairy tale. But you will hear all the scientists and all the geologists say that they agree unanimously that there was a global flood. But as soon as you ask them about, oh, you mean like Noah and the ark? They're like, no, 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 not Noah. There's no ark, there's no Noah. And you're like, but there was a global flood? They're like, yeah, yeah, that happened. Same thing with like, they don't want to put God into creation. They don't want to put Noah into the flood. But yet almost every single scientist and geologist who has studied this will tell you that there was a global flood. I've seen many of these interviews on TV actually, and every single one of them don't admit that it was Noah. Another kind of like little cutesy side note here. If you guys know the story of Noah and the ark, Henry and Morse, the same guy who talked about the animals talking, he thinks that the ark was full of, you know, they had to get all the animals on the ark. You're like, wow, that was a giant ark, which it was, but even the size of the ark probably couldn't hold all the animals on the planet. So this guy theorizes that all the animals on the ark were baby animals and they all went, cutest ark ever, right? I would have loved to have been there. Hold a baby tiger. Anyways, Jesus' crucifixion. Still talking about the scientific aspects. Jesus' crucifixion. Some say that Jesus never really died on the cross, that he just fainted. This is what's called the swoon theory. Let me give you a little picture about what happened to Jesus. Jesus received 39 lashes with the cat of nine tails. These cat of nine tails most likely had leather balls, rocks, pieces of bone, and glass at the end and just tore up his back. So you could see his bones, his organs, a lot of his flesh was removed. He had a crown of thorns smashed on his head. He had nails that pierced his hands and his feet. A spear was shoved into his rib cage to make sure that he was dead. If he's not dead at that point, I don't know what would have killed him. It's historical record that he was crucified. Non-biblical historians will say, yeah, Jesus was killed on the cross. They will agree Jesus was a historical figure. If he didn't die on the cross, he definitely would have died from at least his wounds, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't have been around for 40 more days, walking around, hanging out with his family, his friends, all the other people that saw him. Science has nothing on the resurrection because they say it's impossible. The closest thing they've been able to say that it was an imposter pretending to be Jesus after Jesus died. But if you look at that, that doesn't make any sense either because his friends and family, the closest people he had to him would have known that it was an imposter. They would have been able to point that out in an instant. And if they were on it, in on it, some people would say, oh yeah, his family, his friends were in on it. Would you really parade somebody around as your loved one three days later after they died? That would be the most callous thing. I don't think anybody could do that. Your family dies and then you have somebody pretended to be them three days later. You're not even done grieving yet. It just doesn't add up. So those are some scientific arguments. Another argument is the Bible is just a book, right? Fairy tales. That's all it is. You could say, well, the Bible is a book just like Narnia. And it was written that way because it's entertaining. 
I once heard uh, Bill O'Reilly, who I do not endorse, say, <laughs> let me make that very clear, uh, say, he started saying, uh, he was arguing with somebody, I don't remember who it was, and he started defending the Bible. I was like, yeah. I was like, go, Bill, defend the Bible. And he's like, it's allegorical. And I was like, oh, no, that's not right. It's not a bunch of stories. It's not a bunch of allegorical stories. And when it is allegory in the Bible, there are some allegory, but it makes it very clear when it is allegory. Let me tell you a little bit about the Bible itself. The Bible being written, I'm going to go ahead and rattle off some statistics so you can actually see the complexity of the authorship. There are 66 books in the Bible. The Bible was not written all at one time. It's actually 66 different books in the Bible. Now, none of scripture itself was written by God or Jesus, yet it was divinely inspired by him. Isn't that kind of even better, though, that way, that Jesus didn't write any of it? It gives this great secondhand account that all culminate and tell the same thing. There are over 40 different authors in the Bible. It's written over 1,500 years. It's written by men from all different walks of life. There are nomads who wrote it, leaders, kings, peasants, priests, physicians, and prophets. It is written in Asia, in Africa, in Europe even in prisons and palaces. Written in different moods, joy, sorrow, there's despair, there's anger, there's conviction, there's confusion. Written in different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And yet, with all those different things, the Bible still tells the same story. How? How is that possible? with all these different authors over thousands of years, different places, different backgrounds. There's even four people who wrote about the account, the account of the life of Jesus. Four different authors. They all have some different points of view on the life of Jesus, but it all tells the same story, and that's huge. I had a professor that used to say, all scripture points to and leads to the work of Christ. So while Narnia was written by one author to tell only one entertaining story, well, that's not true because he went on and made like seven more books, right? But the Bible was written by dozens and dozens of authors to show us an even more important story and to give direction for our life and salvation, which is far more important. And even the author of Narnia believed it. So with all these crazy stories, why don't we see that kind of thing today? You're like, these are, this is amazing. Global flood, animals talking. This is, this is bonkers. If this is true, how come we don't see that today? And my argument would be that we do. It's just not as prevalent as it used to be and it's not as grandiose sometimes, but I believe that Satan does not want you to know that these stories still happen. If he can keep you in the dark thinking miracles and God don't exist, he's happy. But I want to give you two really cool personal stories that I witnessed that I can't explain other than him. So one time 
I was a youth group leader. Uh, at First Baptist Church, I was a youth group leader in the high school. And when I was there as a high school student, I did this too. The, the, the funnest thing to do every year is to go on a Mexico mission trip. And you go on spring break, which they're, if they're still doing it, they're going next week then, or the week after. Is it next week? Spring break next week? You just said it. Yeah. Uh, so you, you'd save up money, do fundraising, and then you go down to Mexico and help build some houses, maybe a school, maybe a church, uh, help with uh, some things that maybe they just don't have the privilege to be able to do. So one year we go down, and I'm a leader, and we go with some students, and we have our pastor there, and we have our Spanish interpreter there, and we go out to the bean fields, and we're talking to some of the workers out in the bean fields. So we're we're preaching the gospel. We're teaching them uh, about Jesus if they hadn't heard about it. And so we're, you know, our pastor is saying it, and then our interpreter is saying it for them in Spanish so they can understand. Now, at the end of all this, we do some worship. We're, you know, we have a teaching. We do some more worship. At the end of all this, I don't remember who it was that asked, but somebody asked if anybody wanted to say anything. And a couple seconds of silence went by. And then one of the students, she stepped forward, and she started talking, and she started speaking Spanish to them. So we didn't need the translator to tell them in Spanish what was going on. But the translator then started telling us in English what was going on. So that way we could be in on the story as well. So he, she's giving the, the, the workers an account of her life and her testimony and what she had been through and how Jesus had saved her. And this guy is telling us this. And this is really cool, really powerful story. And we get on the bus. And, uh, you know, we're all joking. We're all laughing. We're having fun. And one of the girls said to this girl who spoke, said, hey, that was really cool that you shared your story. Um, thank you for being so open. She's like, oh, yeah, no problem. She goes, I had no idea that you spoke Spanish. And she goes, I don't speak Spanish. And we all laughed. We're like, ha ah, funny joke. And she goes, no, like, I, I actually don't speak Spanish. And we're like, liar. We heard you. You were speaking Spanish. And she started getting really defensive. She's like, I don't speak Spanish. I, I take French. I don't know any Spanish at all. And we're like, OK. We heard you telling them in Spanish. And she goes, in my head, I was speaking English. So we got to witness this incredible miracle that the Bible calls speaking in tongues. This girl tells this powerful story about her life. And she starts speaking in a language she doesn't even know. And we see that happen in scripture. And it was this crazy, mind-blowing experience that I'm like, if you don't believe in God, you do now. It was amazing. One other story I want to tell you that's really cool. Also with missionaries. We know these uh, missionaries, this couple who, I believe it was Thailand. They went to Thailand, and they were, uh, you know, again, preaching the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus. And they decided to go to a prison and share the good news of Jesus with the prisoners there. They were denied entry. They couldn't get in. The warden or the guard uh, said, like, we don't want you here. We don't want Jesus taught here. You're not welcome. Please go home. 
And they were like, please just like let us let us at least say something. And he's like, no, I like I don't want you talking about Jesus here. And he left. So they're standing there, they're like, okay, what do we do? Like, we came all this way to this place. What do we do? All of a sudden a guard comes up and he's like, hey, we're actually gonna let you in. And they're like, oh, great, thank you. And the guy was really nice, I guess. The, this prison guard was really nice. They said he was really handsome, too. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's a weird detail, but cool. And uh, uh, they, they talk with this guy, and they have this really cool conversation. Uh, and they're like, hey, you're so nice. Like, can we get a picture with you? It's like, yeah, cool. And so they take a picture with him. And then they go into the prison, and they start uh, preaching the gospel. And at the end, they're like, they're done. And one of the prison guards, that the same prison guard comes in. And he goes, what are you guys doing here? I told you not to be here. And he like, is like escorting them out. And they're like, your guy let us in. And he's like, what guy? And they're like, this guy. And they like describe him. They're like, oh, handsome, really nice. And he goes, we have nobody who works here that's like that. And they're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Lo and behold, they get home. This is before digital cameras. They took that picture with him. It was the missionaries, or sorry, one missionary, the guy, another missionary. That guy's not in the picture. How crazy is that? These crazy stories still happen today. So ultimately at the end, I can show you how much of this fantastical, fantasy-like scripture is true, and how this was God's original intention. It can be proven by scientists, historians, theologians, archaeologists, but ultimately, it's left up to you and to your faith. We can be presented with all the evidence in the world for why scripture is true, for why these stories are true, and it still depends on what you believe and what you decide to put your faith in. I, my father-in-law, he is a hardcore atheist. And we always have these really deep conversations, which never ends with me not believing or him believing. Uh, it's, it's always a stalemate. And I, I pray for him still. And I still have these conversations because I want him to come to know Jesus. But one time, I'll never forget this. He said, Seth, it's going to take a miracle for me to believe. Like, it will have to be Jesus standing in front of me, showing me some miracle for me to believe. And I said, nope, you wouldn't even believe then. I said, you know how I know? Because you, he was, he was a, a scientist, he was a biologist his whole career, he's retired. I said, because you are a scientist and you only believe in science, and you think that that is mutually exclusive from scripture, and you do not have the faith. If you saw Jesus in the flesh and saw him do a miracle and say, what do you think now, Frank? You would still say, nope, science disproves this. This is a trick. This is why. And he said, you're right. I would. Because his faith isn't there. And he is purposely withholding it because he doesn't want anything to do with God. I want to read you guys a little portion of scripture in John chapter 20. This is about uh, Thomas, the disciple. Have you guys ever heard the term doubting Thomas? This is where it comes from. 
John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other, oh, just by the way, this is after Jesus has been uh, crucified and resurrected. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, into the, to the holes where the nails were, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. They're inside a room. Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked and nobody else was coming in or out, Jesus all of a sudden came. He appeared and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand, place it in my side. Uh, that's, uh, I'm sorry, that's really weird, isn't it? Isn't it weird that Jesus like, take my hand, put your finger in the hole, take your hand, put it in my side where the spear pierced me. But he knew this is what Thomas needed at this moment. He said, do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. Can you imagine seeing Jesus with your own eyes, living, dying, and then being resurrected and still not believing? Because guess what? That happened. Judas witnessed so many of Jesus' miracles. Judas was one of Jesus' followers. Witnessed so many of Jesus' miracles. And at the end of this time with him, he sold him out for some silver coins because he still didn't believe. Some of Jesus' own family didn't believe that he was the son of God. So, my question to you tonight is, where is your faith placed? Because guess what? can't be passive. There's no middle road. Either you believe or you don't. And in being a part of this bigger story that you and I are a part of, where God created the world, proclaimed it is good, that's the happy beginning that we were talking about. Then sin entered the world, the peril, the darkness. And Jesus is coming back, the happily ever after. With all that being said and done and being in the middle of that story right now, today, where do you want to place your faith? My plea to you would be to place your faith in Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with him, know that he wants to have a relationship with you. Know that Jesus is alive today. And this story, this amazing story of redemption and new life is still being told today. You are part of one of these fantastical, fantasy-like stories. It's happening right now. So do you want to be a part of this story?
where are you going to place your faith?